Here we are once again. Um, all right, episode three uh, of the uh, of the Team Picks Itself podcast, kicking it back off. Another crazy, crazy week. Uh, every single week that goes by gives us so much to talk about, not just because they pack way too many games into the schedule and all these players are going to break down and quality of play is degradating, but I digress. But a lot of great drama off, off the pitch uh, to go over this week, and one that just dropped today, Frank Lampard back at Chelsea. Absolutely, I absolutely Damn. love this. Absolutely love this. Todd Bully and the Americans, just an absolute disaster. But what do you think about uh, Lampard coming in on temporary assignment? It's incredible. It was funny because he was uh, watching. Um, they showed him on TV. Snooker on TV, probably. Just at home. Yeah. <laughs> he was in stands. Um, Liverpool-Chelsea, which was an absolute snooze fest. But um, a little bit of foreshadowing there. It was funny because he popped up. And I was thinking, I'm like, I wonder what he's he's trying to do there. You know, I never thought they'd give him the reins, but I thought he would just try to maybe get in with the academy or, um, you know, just trying to get in with the ownership in some capacity. But once they announced him as the uh, the new manager, I mean, it makes sense, I guess. You know, 10 games left. There's not much to play for. Um, it's a free crack at things. Um, Chelsea have done crazier things as well in, in the Champions League. You know, every time they yeah. fire a manager and bring in a replacement, they – uh, Di Matteo won um, Champions League. Tuchel did the same thing. And I thought that like there could be some way this team does it just because there's so much raw talent. But then I saw Madrid absolutely pick apart Barcelona on the weekend or um, midweek at the Copa del Rey. And so I think that ship is, is, is now sailed. So, yeah, I don't think they have a plan is what it, what it screams to me. What about you? Yeah, that's the biggest thing. And we'll get to Spurs and just the same thing with disaster. But look at Leeds, for example. Like, when Leeds got rid of Bielsa, they knew they wanted March. They had a short list of people that said, if Bielsa leaves, here's where we're going to go get, and here's why. When March left, same thing, right? We talked about Brighton before with, with Deserby. Going into this situation, even if you give Potter a five-year deal and $60 million and all this, you still have, I mean, running the club the right way, you still have, here is the next list of candidates. And somebody's job should be always monitoring that, updating that list, being in touch with their representatives, and you have a contingency plan. So it's like if Potter were to ever to go, option A would be doing this on an interim basis, going after one of these guys. But you, you kind of know where all of those guys in your short list stand. So you know what to do in the short term. Like, all my guys on the shortlist are only going to take over in the summer. This one's more likely than this one. We're going to promote, you know, this assistant manager, this one from the youth academy, whatever, and, and do this this plan over time. The the getting rid of Potter, holding on to what is his, his assistance, and then bringing Lampard in, it really seems like they're scrambling. Um, the, the There wasn't a big enough body of evidence of work of the, the caretaker manager they just got rid of, who was Potter's assistant. It was his first manager job. He was a defender at Brighton to say he was doing a good job or not, or the players were behind him or not. They were either not behind him or they were fine with him. Like the, there was nothing to say that, that it went either way. So it just seems like they were like scrambling and that loss against Villa, they're like, we have to get rid of this now. We'll, we'll figure it out. And all the stuff that's coming out about who they're talking to, like reports today now that they're talking to Conte about coming back, um, which is, I would love, it'd be amazing. Um, the land part, I think, one thing about it is the fans were so upset with Graham Potter and Channing, you don't know what you're doing, and soon to get him off sides. Even though his last managerial reign wasn't great, probably got rushed out of there somewhat too soon, right? They went on to win the Champions League that year and all that. And he still has a lot of goodwill with the fans, and maybe this was a move to try to get them back on side. You know, the thing I don't get about it, though, is that, you know, Lampard's never done great where he's been. He did okay at Chelsea. I don't think it was too short of a body of work to get run out of there, I think. Darby, he just kind of kept the same level Darby was at. And Everton, he kind of kept the same level Everton was at. And so I don't know how much of an impact he has here um, other than trying to maybe get the fans on sides. Um, and in terms of the players respect him, the players got to respect him because of who he is as a player. But a lot of those guys were here when, when he left last time, and so I don't know how much that shakes their confidence as him as a manager. So this just seems like um, like we're not going to move off the table. We're not going to get relegated. We're not going to go beat Real Madrid. Um, and what can we do to our dear ourselves to the fans and buy time to figure this out? And that's kind of what it what it kind of says to me. But I don't know how much the fans are stoked on him as a manager because he has a track record of being okay. He doesn't make teams worse. He doesn't really improve teams. Yeah. 
yeah, I agree. He's got to be, he's got to be super thankful for this opportunity. He had yes. like a championship manager <clears throat> as his next step or like somewhere like I can see him following Rooney's path and coming to the MLS and, and trying to, to jumpstart his career. So this is a huge opportunity for him. And if he can, if they can go on like a four game win streak and, yeah. put a couple of results together if they keep the madrid uh you know tie close somehow they maybe you know put on a good performance at home in stanford bridge um he can generate a lot of goodwill for so for him it's a total total no-brainer um they must not like bruno salter he was the um the other interims they must not have like you said had that confidence in him um to go up against like an ancelotti um so i understand from that side of things, you want someone who's, I don't think Lampard's coach. Well, he had with Chelsea, he had a little bit of experience in Europe, but obviously as a player, he has a tremendous amount. So um, yeah, yeah. It's going to be, um, it'll be interesting to see. I don't know. I, it makes sense. Cause I, I Nagelsmann's not going to come in and take it with 10 games left. Um, uh, Luis Enrique is not going to do that. So I, I think you just, maybe it buys him some goodwill, but I just think from, from the per- perception standpoint, it just, it looks like more chaos. Yeah, and I think for with uh, they knew they knew what they were getting from from Bruno from the last manager, right? Like the relationship with the players, like we said, they, they knew the style he was going to play, knew all about him. Nothing changed between that time. The first time he ever picked a team was this game against Liverpool, right? The first time ever yeah. <laughs> was the first game ever in charge of the club. So um, it was really, I think, I think just they just haven't figured out they're making up as they go a little bit. Because if they would have asked Lampard, they would have made the decision before they announced the decision for Potter. If they would have asked Frank, would have done it? I'm sure he would have said yes. Like you said, this is an unbelievable opportunity to come in with a yeah. really talented group. And gal- all he has to do is, and not all, because it's hard. He has to galvanize a part of that squad, right? Like all the stuff that's come out is that the squad is really is way too big. They're playing. You know, usually, you know, it's like when you play uh, matches in in training, right? You have an overflow squad that's usually made up of youth players, guys from the reserves. They have full 22 guys, all first-team players on big salaries. Not enough room in the dressing rooms, not enough room in meeting rooms. Like, that's literally what's coming out. So you have a lot of unhappy people in the squad that brings the whole continuity down. Can he come in and galvanize 15, 16 guys and say, this is my group I'm going to rock with? Graham Potter was tinkering a lot, which kind of makes sense at this point when you buy all these new players and trying to figure it all out. Can he get, you know, 14 to 16 guys? This is my squad. This is who I'm going to rock with to the end of the season and get them to believe in him and get them to believe in that team. And almost don't worry about ostracizing anyone outside of that group because you're not here next year anyways, right? I think it's going to be interesting because he pulled Mason Mount back in, right? Mason Mount was, remember, going to World Cup, like the next great English, Kim Fofoda at the team, the next great English, Zach mm-hmm. Samuel He's been completely missing, uh, injury problems as well. And uh, yeah, he might have loyalists in that dressing room that are excited for him to be back. And, uh, and get some team spirit and some continuity out of that group, which is what they've been missing. Um, but, you know, best case, they climb you know, a place or two in the, t- in the table. Um, yeah, and that's it. Yeah, in, in the Champions League, look, it's a knockout. I think Real Madrid is, I would be terrified of playing them in a knockout competition, but crazier, crazier things have happened. And so maybe, you know, they can get, get a result and uh, maybe move on. But I think it's really about um, just trying to buy time with the fan base now. Um, unless they really think he can galvanize this group of players. Um, it's, it's, it's interesting. Yeah. Yeah. If he can get some results. Yeah. yeah. I saw an interview with him and I think it was Neville, Gary Neville. And um, he was talking about how he had a sense of pride watching the Champions League final that Tuchel won um, against Pep because um, of the Mason Mounds, the Reese James. Like he did a good job of like bringing in the younger guys. Obviously, he was a little bit over his head. Well, it turned out a lot over his head in just terms of like general tactics and and the pressures of like week to week preparing your team for different styles and, and different opponents. But he did do a good job of fostering some of that young talent and, and bringing some of those guys through. Yeah. Do you think he's in his head at all? He's thinking, hey, if I can do something here in these next yeah. 10, 12 games, I can throw my hat in this ring. Um, not maybe for this position, but another. Yeah. Um, I think actually that's 100 percent the thought process is as I have a club that's in complete disarray that has played terrible yeah. this whole year. So much talent. I know the club. I know a lot of the players there. I think I can get a tune out of them to make myself look good before the end of the season, right? They don't have to do great to be considered to be improving. You know, they asked him about, do you see yourself here past this interim title? Have they told you that's just interim? He's like, they haven't told me it's just interim, but like it's kind of inferred, but I'm just doing a great job and we'll see where it goes. I think we hear someone like Frank Lampard has had so much success this whole life and is, you know, one of the, 
you know, the gods of the, the game, um, you know, the best scoring English midfielder ever, um, you, you think kind of anything is possible, right? And, you know, his uncle and his dad managers around forever. And so I think he understands the perception game a lot. And thinking that, yeah, if I come in, make them just do a little bit better and really show great team spirit within the group and just start playing, even if I don't get all the results, just start playing in a much more fluid uh, way with a lot more continuity, then he'll go get another shot in the Premier League. And as we've seen, Premier League jobs are becoming available so quickly, like way too (laughs) quickly and too often. And so this is a a great thing rather than having to step down to the championship where it's even more difficult or um, a lot of the time just because of how much parity is in that league or going over to MLS and and trying to rebuild. So I think this is a perfect thing for him. That's how it has to be seen. Yeah, it's funny too. That's what they used to call your FIFA performances, the god of the game. Um, Anytime I got to play with you, I was like, wow, this is a real treat. Tactical genius. Gods of the games. Tactical genius. Tactical genius. Yeah. Like that show you saw that yeah, interview on one battles with uh, Gary Neville and, and Frank Lampard's called the overlap because he was a right back mm. overlap. I was thinking about mm. when we were when we were doing this, thinking about naming podcasts or your own show it could just be blind kick it to the corner, just mm, kick it up in behind, kick it hope. Yeah, <laughs> welcome back to kick it hope with Joe. Um, show about tactics. I had a parent. Had, <laughs> what are tactics? I had a parent once told me, uh, what did he, uh, it'll hope it'll come to me a little bit. Something about dumping. It was like an alliteration with dump and chase. Like, oh, the style of play of like, yeah, yeah. But it was, a, I think it was alliteration. It was a double D and it was like, and I was just like, okay, that's a, that's a new one for me. It'll pop up in my head here. In a it was little the joys bit. of U.S. Um, soccer. The joys of parents of U.S. soccer. Yeah. Yes. Yep. Um, you can do longer yeah, throwing. On it. But, um, yeah, <laughs> the, the F course. Oh my goodness, the Jake US soccer F course, uh, an F course. Yeah, and Jake, I had to remove Jake after 15 minutes <laughs> when they started discussing flip throw-ins and why girls can throw the ball longer than boys. And, yeah, gymnastics. And uh, I was laughing so hard that you had to. We had to leave <laughs> after 15 after 15 minutes. My fr- my friend doesn't feel well. We have to take him. He's laughing at all of you. Um, <laughs> but it's funny to me. So. To, to you know, kind of put a bow on on all of this, the, the manager talk. How do you think this affects like what Spurs want to do with managers? Because obviously, I think they're they're trying to um, grab some of these guys out of the same pool. Madrid, obviously Chelsea now, Tottenham, maybe one or two more popping up here. How does this uh, affect the Spurs process? I mean, it it should speed up the process. And don't have to bring anyone in until the summer, but sign the deal now, right? Sign whatever you want. Go on holiday. Do whatever you want to go do. We'll see, you know, come back and get a head start on things or come back in the summer. The, 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 the difference for me, though, is that Spurs have a real shot at the top four. How would you – how do you think they go about managing that, about, um, you know, having – you tell Nagelsmann go away till the summer, but things could be drastically different um, when you come back. Yeah, I think I think that's one of the tricky pieces. It's a good point, one of the tricky pieces. Also, in the reports this week is that we're not Nagelsmann's top pick. He kind of – Wants uh, to go Chelsea to Zerbi apparently said no, and that or not no, but he's not yeah. like, overly interested, and he wants to stay at Brighton more. Apparently, we haven't even reached out to Pochettino. Is all the reports coming out? Which, if that's true, that's an absolute shambles. Um, I think the, the the bet has been made by the board that Stellini is the best shot to get into the top four, and uh, and the result against Everton kind of shows that nothing's changed, and and I don't know if that's going to be the right right move rather than re-energizing the team with a different style and doing things differently because we look the exact the exact same, which we'll, we'll get into. I think this merry-go-round that we're a part of is an issue on the coach set, right? So if Chelsea looking for someone, Ancelotti is likely gone, so Madrid's going to look someone, they're going to pick someone from top teams that's going to create more movement. The right move is to do what Bayern Munich did and say, I don't agree with them necessarily firing Michaelsman, but to say, if you're not 100% convinced of this guy, there's this other guy out there we really want yeah. who's going to get a job. you got to be bold and, and make the move. Um, and so, again, talking about Chelsea, look like, okay, now we're conducting an exhaustive search. You should have to conduct an exhaustive search because you should have done – it's an ongoing process. You're always in that search process. Spurs seem the same way. Yeah. Where it's like the fact that we – like, we should know exactly what Pochettino wants to come back from a director of football standpoint, from the power he wants at the club, from the contract he wants, from the players he wants, all of that. 
and be prepared to say yes or no to that. And we should know that for all of the other guys we want, whether it be Deserby, whether it be the guy Ch- Chad Blue, I can never pronounce his name at Celtic, whether it be um, whether it be Almiron at Porto or whoever else we want to go after. Like those should those haven't been addressed. And so I think now we're in this situation where we look more like a clown show than we did before. And team and these managers are even more uncertain. So I think even more we have to go over the top and say, help design the project. We understand we're in this state. What does a project have to look like for you to be here? And we can make a decision if we're okay designing that with them or not. I think the other big thing that's a challenge for Spurs right now is what happens to Harry Kane. So if you're a manager coming in, I think you need yeah. to know, is Kane going in the summer or not? If he's going, how early are you buying players to replace him? And that might be a thing about, okay, I'm going to come in now to help design that transfer policy. Now, if you're Deservey or some of these other guys, uh, Frank at, at Brentford, some of these guys, like they have jobs in the season, but you need to know, like they need to know and we need to know, can we do this together? And it doesn't seem like the club is being bold enough in making those decisions. It seems like a lot of wait and see. And I feel like we're going to be left behind because of that. It just looks, it looks like a complete disarray right now. It's a huge, a huge miss. I mean, if we went after Nigelsman and he said, no, because like, this is, it seems like a disaster right now with uncertainty. Make him certain and understand what he needs and okay, move on or not. But not talking to Pochettino, being turned down by these people left and right, it just doesn't seem like we're presenting a compelling enough case or even have ourselves organized. And I don't know who we're going to be left with, but if we get Potter or Brandon Rogers, I'm going to lose my mind. Yeah, that's the main concern for me is um, I'm worried about that Potter um, play. I feel like it's a game of musical chairs right now. My concern is that we're going to be left um, one spot short. Um, you, you would think looking at the top managers available and there are more limited spots and so many teams moved on their managers this year. I think they're up to 13 now. Um, you know, you're really just kind of looking at the Madrid and Chelsea situation and, and Spurs, unless I'm missing one. So you think there would be enough guys to go around. I just feel like we're going to be where the bottom of that pole right now and we're going to get someone it's still going to be late in the game it's going to be someone who um flirted with real madrid or flirted with chelsea and they look at spurs as maybe that third option of what they wanted so my concern is we're going to be late to the party which like you said i think it's a great point about what happens with kane what do we do with son who seems like this form unfortunately is, is 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 here to stay for a little bit so i'm terrified as well i don't think they would go for rogers um, I think they would. Oh, I think they would try to go after Potter, which, um, which I think would be disappointing. I think the the Luis Enrique to Chelsea has got me a little bit intrigued. I think that That's he's got that pretty personality. Right yeah, yeah. I think I could see him in the Prem and do and, and doing a, um, a a good job of it. I wouldn't mind him at Spurs, um, but yeah, I just have. Some I don't think he plays there. the right yeah. type of style for us, and I don't know if he can like galvanize mm-hmm. the. He's a definitely a big name manager, but we've seen what's happened before with those guys. But the question is, is someone going to get us to play? I don't like, there's this thing on the athletic where they said, uh, they did like a survey of Spurs fans and it was, I forgot what it was, but it was like 80% wanted to play the right way versus win a trophy. And that's just like recency bias. Everyone back when Pochettino got fired was like, we just want to win a yeah. trophy. We don't care who we play. It's not yeah. about playing the most attacking style. It's about playing a, coherent system where you understand what the team is trying to do and we're progressively getting better at it. Right. And that doesn't have to be mm. all out attack. Like last year, everyone was fine with the counterattacking style because it wasn't painful to watch. Right. It wasn't like the most fun thing. Well, we didn't, we weren't painful to watch this year. We were like painful to watch. So I think it's that it's just finding someone who, again, like we get behind the right, right identity. I was just trying to look it up. I can't find it, but um, I'm sure I will at some point. But people forget that Pochettino was like our second or third, I think third choice when we hired him. And there was a lot of controversy at the time around like, what? I forget if it was Van Gaal, I think maybe they were going for. Um, and oh, then yeah. somebody else. And we missed out on both of them and ended up with Pochettino and then it became, right? So you don't always know. Like, And he did a great job in looking hindsight 2020, right? Southampton teams played brilliantly, counter-pressed, developed young talent, high energy. It was all the things yeah. he brought to Spurs. He was the right guy. But... It is, it'll be interesting to see, like, you never know, like, who the person is. I mean, the, the one dark, I don't even know it's a dark horse candidate, but the one that I could totally see us going for is Arnie Slot at uh, Feyenoord. Feyenoord is doing well in the Europa League and, and plays attacking stuff. I'm always very wary about the Dutch League just because it's such a low quality and, yeah. and everything has trouble translating. Yeah. 
managers and players. Um, but I could see something like that, like ending up with someone like that, um, uh, who could still be a decent situation. Um, but I think, I think we went from, like we talked about before, Pochettino was, we have everything in place. We just need the win now guy to take this group and make them winners. When the reality was a squad wasn't good enough to be made winners. So we had the subpar squad yeah. and with someone who doesn't know how to develop, just makes winners. That didn't work. Now we're going to have to like kind of blow it up. And I think blow it up, but still push for top four. And so you need a mm-hmm. big time up and coming high energy type guy who can do that. Yeah. And we just need to like try to find that the right fit, but it doesn't seem like they have that profile well understood of who would fit it out there. Yeah. I would, I would gladly take a little less attractive football to finish top four this year and next year. Like if we finish just on the outskirts um, to have that money to get us back into Europe, because I think we're still now we have to, we have to make a couple of buys and I'm still like a couple, couple key pieces away from really making a go of it. I, I just don't see the next two years, how anybody competes with what Arsenal looks like, what co- competes with what Man City is looking like. Um, United still look like they're a little bit slippery. Um, and Newcastle hasn't done it yet long enough. But I think to catch Arsenal and Man City, just the consistency of it, like game to game, um, we're not ready for that fight yet in my eyes. So give someone, I love that description, like young, hungry, can weather the storm a little bit, still gets results when we need them. Um, and then now maybe in, in two years, two to three years, now we can actually make a strong push. Hope a couple injuries happen with some of the other you know big teams or guys get poached. Um, you know, you're, you're hoping that like a Jude Bellingham doesn't come into the league. A couple of these young guys end up in going to La Liga or go to PSG. Um, so I don't know. I think it's hard. Yeah, I just don't see it next year. I think that, no, I don't think we're going to win the league next year, but it's interesting because like Spurs, again, used to be a mid table team. Now we're a consistent top four contender. That's a great advancement and a credit to Enoch, but they've been such a, but we haven't pushed on. Right. And I think that's the frustration of, of everyone. I think that that's a good frustration. But we need to overhaul the football side. Doing great on the business side, overhaul on the football side to allow us to take that next step. We, nobody saw Arsenal coming, right? It was Liverpool and Man City. No one's going to be able to compete with Liverpool and Man City this year, right? The way they pushed themselves to the title last year, how efficient they both were. Liverpool completely falls off the map. City doesn't get nearly enough credit because it's like, you know, they spend money, but all these big guys spend money, but they recruit so well. They sell guys at the right time. They make really intelligent buys, right? Like Nathan Ake, yeah. the the center back they brought from Dortmund. Like they're not all superstar buys, right? Holland they bought for a responsible price. Mm-hmm. So I think City will continue to be there. But I think the story is the top six is really fucking hard. I think Newcastle will continue to be yeah. good. Man United is getting better, right? And you see with Arsenal, Jesus and Zevchenko completely transform that team, right? Casemiro completely transforms United and you see what it, what they're like when he's not there. And so one or two moves completely flip the switch. I think Ten Hag also at United building that culture back. Um, but I think the top six will always be really hard. And I think you're going to have two or three clubs behind that nip it at everyone's heels. Chelsea will be back. And so you need a, yeah. you, you need a very well-rounded competitive squad that you're always refreshing. And it, it's just gotten every year. The Premier League's gotten harder and harder and with Newcastle, with the money coming in, it makes this big leap. Um, I think that's that's the thing. But I think we need to – there needs to be a squad and style overall here, for sure. People also get where Spurs that when Bentacore went out, we looked a lot worse, right? And it's like it's gotten worse. I think yeah. people are not talking as much about how Bentacore being removed from that squad and the only player who connects uh, the middle three – the middle third to the front third – is and how we can he's our only player that can break a press has made a huge huge difference but that's the point you know you need a squad of guys who can do that or who can do it in general but yeah we need some manager to come in who can make sure the players in the system are aligned and we need like three or four new players and um and i think sell harry kane and son and and still remain within that top four race which is a big ask move on to this uh the games that took place uh yeah liverpool chelsea you said that was it was amazing thing on Twitter how many people were like this is the most boring dog shit ever and just how yeah how that game used to be such a prize in them this year it's not that they're both bad it's that they're both um, they're both a tough watch which is weird so if you're shipping goals and you know you have high xG and not scoring goals and you're losing fine but they're just 
they're like Spurs. They're just like a very tough watch, not beautiful passing game. Neither of those teams seem on the same page. No. Liverpool, for me, was was like noticeably worse as well. They're still trying to play like in your face, high press, Gagan press, and they are just getting like – it takes like one or two passes to open them up, and they're just all over the shop. Trent looks a little bit lost right now at the right back. They just don't have anything to play for. I think they kept thinking it was going to switch on, and, and now there's like a little bit of discontent within the team. He benched a lot of guys. I don't know if that was within – eye on Arsenal, you know, of trying to use that as um, a little bit of a rallying cry for the end of the season. Um, but there's not much left to play for. Um, but Liverpool, for me, were just way off the pace. Chelsea sort of won if Kai Havertz could hit the target at all. Um, <laughs> he is. Um, or, like, link up in the final third. I don't understand it. Him and Timo Werner just, just – they, they, they need to go back. Uh, well, I mean, Timo's already back in the Bundesliga. But and Kai doing well in the Bundesliga. Quickly. Kai's so yeah, young. I always forget he, how young he is. Yeah. Um, and they picked him to, they interviewed him after the game a little bit as well. So it was nice to hear his perspective and just see how he handled some of that pressure. But yeah, I'm starting to think now, like I never thought I would say this, but I think Klopp is on a little bit of like notice. Um, and I don't think think it happens this year, but I think, I think early next year, if it can, if they end on a poor streak, which I mean, they're already two losses and a draw. I think if they start yeah, but in, in terms of their place overall, the, the Real Madrid shellacking, um, just like the total disbelief within the team, um, how some of the – like they need a makeover as well. They have some guys who are not going to be ready for next season. They're not going to have the money to spend. I think if they go like 10 games into next season – I know that's a third of the way through, but like um, I think he could be in a little bit of a sticky situation. I don't know if it's more so him being fired or him just like recognizing like do I really want to do this again? Yeah, I mean, he. there's always that thing, right, where people say he has, like, a six-year, like, Conte has his two-, three-year thing, and then he blows it up, yeah. and Klopp's always been six years and out, and there is somewhat of a, does the message get tired? Does the intensity that he brings too much for that period of time? That's always that's always a consideration. I think if you're Liverpool, like, Jurgen Klopp is, you know, one of the greatest managers in the game today, has such a deep connection with the fans, plays the style that you want, you got to reload that team. It's the transfer policy that's let them down. You got to constantly refresh the squad. But yeah. and I think like where do you go from from Jurgen Klopp? I think the issue is they've had a lot of injuries throughout the team. They did not. They got it wrong with Mane versus Salah. It looks like, and in terms of or being mm-hmm. able to replace Mane in that team as the connect as the connective tissue that puts Salah in more one on one situations. Um, and you have new guys that are like all trying to gel. I don't think you Klopp might walk and be like, I don't need this, and you know, blah blah. I think the fan yeah. base is too behind him. He's earned too much credit. Um, and the other thing is that they played so many games last year. Again, they played every single available game they had plus yeah. the World Cup. This is what happens. Like the rest of EPL and FIFA, and everyone should take notice and be like, these guys aren't machines. They're fucking break down, right? And I think that's part yeah. of part of what you're, you're seeing here. Uh, with this squad, but I think they they get in to the end of the season, they rest, recover, they make some of the right buys. I don't think Bellingham necessarily goes there, but you just got to reshore that midfield. Um, and if you make your bets that you know uh, Salah and Diaz, Diaz has been hurt a lot, he's been key for them, and Nunez comes good, all of a sudden I think you're back in it. I think you saw Arsenal like one or two buys, and you're back in it. But they need to figure out who those right guys in, in midfield are and how to retool there. Because Fabinho, I think Fabinho, I don't know if he's done because uh, he's not that old, but he just played a lot of games. Henderson's obviously on the backside of his career. Um, so I just think yeah. you need one or two more guys there, but I would not get rid of them if I was Liverpool. I think it would be crazy. Yeah. I think the big thing will be how these last 10 or so games go in terms of like his relationship with the players, um, how – if at all that he's able to get a response out of them, um, if he can write the ship a little bit, um, I mean they're ten points back because they're going to need. Yeah, it's crazy. Yeah, so I think we'll, we'll we'll see just to see how it looks, and because in the in the off season, some of those guys are going to need a little bit of time off. It's not just the past year; it's been the past really three four years with them, yeah. with the club world championships and traveling all over for friendlies and Euros. things like that. So. Um, 
Yeah, I just don't know about Salah. I don't think Salah's the guy. I think that's a big investment of, of capital for them. I think Gakbo, Nunez will come around. Jota looks like he's fallen off a bit. I just think they're a couple guys short. I think that center of the park is 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 very vulnerable. That's going to be a couple important buys. I think Van Dyke looks a little bit off the pace now. He's starting to catch some some flack. He needs from, to rest um, too. You know, pundits back home. Way too much. Yeah. Yeah, they just look like drained. So, but the, my concern is like, does that fire come back? Can you flip that switch back on? And so, I think it'll be interesting. Not so much, like I said, necessarily them getting rid of him, but like him thinking, looking around the room, and, and taking the temperature, and like, hey, if we don't, because I think they need like four or five guys, like in the center of the park. It depends, and, and it depends who comes back. up. It depends who comes up. Like a big bet that they made was Cavallo, the kid from Fulham, the Portuguese kid from Fulham, who, and he's really young. Yeah, I remember he played a lot of game of the year, had flashes. Harvey Elliott, also who looks to be a brilliant, but I mean, before he snapped his leg, looked like he was going to be in the England squad. Yeah. Um, he's been good this he's year. Another but one since he's came back, he, but he's not. I think he's he doesn't look fine. like he did when he first came on this. Yeah, but he looked like proper before that injury. No, oh, he was this unbelievable mix of a box to box midfielder with the quickness of an attacking wide player, and he was so creative yeah. and such a great pass of the ball. I think he's lost a little bit you. of that jump. Yeah, it was, it was basically a, it was basically a man. It was you. Jump. I was like, oh my god. I cut there. This is Jake's. Like, okay, but it looks terrible. He looks like he's had to transition into less of that. I can beat you over a yard, right, and be more of a traditional box to box midfielder, and that may take time to adjust to. But they need him to come good. And then, like you said, I think they need two buys to replace Henderson and, and Fabinho. And then tactically. Can they get that front three working together to get Sal in better positions? I think what it's shown is like when Mane got the ball, turned, beat someone, was running at the back, you know, back three, a back four, and Sal pull up and get Sal in a one on one. Or how many times did Sal score goals one on one, cutting in, doing this and scoring? Well, he can do that because of what Sane was doing and what Firmino was doing with hold up play and interchange. Can Nunez and Diaz? give that to Salah. And I think Salah's end up being, having to be the main guy and getting balls in situations where back to goal, um, not in space, not on the front foot. It's like, kind of like with Sun. Sun's great when the, the ball's in front of him and he's running onto a ball. Doesn't do anything when he's back to goal and getting touches. So I think that all these things needs to come come into place. And I think new blood will also, you know, new blood for Jurgen's message, right? Like it will reinvert, reinvigorate Jurgen's yeah. message. But yeah, I think it's more of a question of if he wants to leave rather than do they do they get him out of there. What do you think about uh, Arsenal yeah. continuing to roll? I mean, they just look like they look like they have one hand on it now. I think. Yeah, I'm trying to remember um, last pot. I, I think we, we 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 predicted them to to win this one, and that it could have been a little bit tricky, um, depending on which Leeds showed up, but. Um, Leeds kind of laid down before the game with that starting lineup. He he sat a lot of guys with you know eyes down the road, um, and so once I saw that lineup, it was it was always going to be uh, one way. But they just like um, it still could have been a little bit tricky. I think there was a couple like nervy moments. That's the one thing I'm, I'm waiting on this team to to really like have a full grasp on because they look a little bit open at times, especially in the beginning of the games. And I know they have one more game with city left. Um, and if city can punish them with that, it just might make things a little bit more interesting. But once they click on, it's over. They, they played them off the pitch, just like free flowing, intelligent, composed. Their pressing is, is looking very sharp. So um, that team is just, there's so many guys that are standing out right now. And then Jesus has come back and kind of hit the ground running, which I think is massive for them. Scored um, more goals. Signing looks to be. Yeah, scored yeah. more goals than Richarlison scored uh, all year since in his one game back yeah. from his injury. Yeah. It's a damning stat. I think Arsenal is getting goals yeah. from everywhere too. So, like they're getting contribution goals from everywhere, even in that game, right? Xhaka scores, Jesus scores. Um, the Odegaard ball to Xhaka for that goal, brilliant. So they've been, they've just been getting contributions from everywhere. And even if they, I feel like the confidence they have within that team and the belief they have in the system and what Arteta's system is, is they can go down to City, you know, one nil, whatever. And they're just like going to keep playing the way they play, right? And they'll tighten up and they'll yeah, get back. Point. And they create so many chances. And tr- we talked last time, Trossard coming in as another creative force in that team. Um, there's just so many ways that they create with combinations to the middle, which is just hold up play. Odegaard pulling off out of the center into those little half spaces. Like it's, it's amazing to watch like Zinchenko coming inside, getting the ball, kind of combining, looking up. Odegaard kind of floats into those little half spaces between the Jesus 
and Asakura Martinelli. He's been incredible. Yeah, and he gets and he can get the ball in the half turn, take a touch, whip it across, or play those little through balls um, where he gets it takes inside and diagonal run. Like they just beat you in so many different ways. And the outside backs, they do such a great job getting involved. Obviously, we said Zinchenko coming inside. Ben White, who I thought for fifty million was the most. Yeah, couldn't believe it. He's turned. They bought him as a center back. He's turned into one of the best outside backs in the league, and a lot of quality on his crossing. So they're just they are a different version of Man City, but they they have that same ability to just create in so many ways and so much intelligent runs off the ball from so many different places. Uh, and now they have this winning belief. I think they're going into these games. They're like, we're going to win, and they have that confidence. And like you said, they go against City, and if City can get the points then how much does that shape that confidence? But look, if they get by Liverpool, which yeah. I think they will, then it's really that City game is the only other like wobble point you would see if the pressure, and then that pressure mounts and like, can you hold on to it? But they just seem to have the confidence um, right now where no matter what, we're going to win. And they stay so calm and play their way, their, their system, no matter what. And they're just like I said, they're a beautiful watch. They're everything I wish Spurs were right now. Yeah. 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 And Saka is just like incredible. He's like, He's up there. I mean, I don't think he's at Vinny's echelon quite yet, but he's like separated himself from like the young player talk. Like he's he's so dangerous out wide. Um, they're a great combination of like Pep, like second to third season at Man City, and like Arsene Wenger's teams. Like um, some of the the cutbacks, some of the crosses. Um, that reminds me some of, like the tap in goals. That reminds me of like peak Man City when like Sterling was coming in off the far post and tapping everything in in six yards. But with Odegaard in center of the park and linking up with like when Zinchenko creeps inside and Jesus up top now, uh, Martinelli steps a little up, up as well. It's like they can break you down in the center of the park as well. And some of the combinations on the top of the box are just like, doesn't matter if you have 10 guys behind the ball, they're, they're going to find a way to pick that lock. So it's a great combination to watch. Um, yeah, yeah. I think that um, the Liverpool game and they have a little bit of revenge in mind. I think – Klopp maybe rested some of those guys. Maybe some of it was a message to some of those starters, but I think that Arsenal game at um, it's at Liverpool, correct? Um, yeah, I think that that could be the one little slip up here. Even like a, a draw um, there would be it would make the last like ten games just perfect. It would be so tight. So I think City's uh, just they're fun keep, to watch, man. Um, keep rolling, and like I said, but like going to, no matter the form yeah. Liverpool's in, going to Anfield's hard, right? And Going to Anfield yes. when you're top of the league is really hard. And, um, you know, Liverpool doesn't have a lot to play for. And it was that, that, that beef for. with uh, uh, Klopp and Arteta have a little bit of that back and forth from, from was it last season? Yeah. So I think I think it's going to be it's, – it's a tough place to go play. And I think it's even if they get a point out of Anfield, even though they in the form then they think they should win, I think that, like, spurs them forward. Um, I think the real question is if they capitulate – if they don't play well, I think that's the big thing. If they go there and lay it in and they don't play the way they've been playing, then all of a sudden it's the media, everyone is going to be on them, especially if they're inexperienced. Um, but if they go up and show Man City play beats play, Southampton like 6 nothing, Right. Then all of a sudden people will start. And then can you handle that pressure? But I think they go there and they get a result, at least at least to draw. I think with Saka, it's so interesting because like, he, he's just so ruthless. Like, he... He's so efficient at what he does. Sort of get a ball, beat a guy so quick, quick finish. He doesn't do. It's not a lot of stepovers. It's not a lot of nothing's overcomplicated. It's never. It's even the way he runs with the ball is like the most direct point to get to where he wants to go. Right? Like even Salah. Right? Well, cut, cut, cut. Right? And then like then one back post. Saka will just run at you and go like this and go around you. And he's developed that finishing in his game. And so it's different. You don't see people usually that highly efficient. Is playing with such a such a level of confidence uh, in this game. We're like, I still think Vinicius Jr. is on a different level and can do a lot more and create a lot yeah. more. But watching Sokka kind of grow into this, knows he's going to beat you as soon as he gets the ball, um, has been has been really interesting to watch. And he's going to be, I mean, such a jewel for them for the years years to come. It's been it's been yeah awesome yeah. What do you think about Newcastle? That's a good point. He's he's like very he's yeah he's very like dispassionate like in his approach he's just like he's just doesn't get too emotional like just keeps coming at you doesn't get wound up that's the other thing is like he's known as such a good guy and such a such a genuinely nice person and it seemed like this arsenal squad has been built around a bunch of good characters right and he's like ultimate about like 
very, very respectful. Uh, not a lot what you see with like modern footballers a lot of the time. And like some of the bad press around guys' attitudes and things like that. It seems like they built mm-hmm. a squad of like really good characters and he's the kind of front of front of that list. He reminds me of like a Steph Curry. Like he he, see, he comes off very, um, you know, very calm, um, good composure, very likable, um, but really just like an absolute killer in the best sense of, of the term yeah. in terms of like their sports and their performances. So Newcastle is imp- impressive. Newcastle, it, it reminds me a little bit of like what Crystal Palace could have been a little bit just in terms of like missing that defensive quality because on the attack, they're just like rampant um there's guys that can beat you off the dribble there's like a little bit of patterns involved as well um and they can they can like toggle between like a press a high press or like sit in a little bit absorb some pressure stay fresh and then like pick their moments they're they've been impressive the new cat uh the newcastle united game was um always going to go one way um once it started um united just sometimes for these big games just have a a hard time getting up for it um but I think, um, and they, they backed it up with what a five-one shellacking of West Ham, yeah. right? So, yeah, they're they're the real deal. Guys that can hurt you all over the place, and I think Miggy for so long carried him with that whatever it was a seven-game goal streak. But now you have guys like Joe Linton, and um, I mean they're getting goals from all over the place. So they're the real deal. I think they're finishing top four. Yeah, I mean it's interesting to see like what Eddie Howe's done. There were guys like who were good and upcoming, but not breakthrough great like Longstaff who came through the youth academy there he looks like a great and made it a huge step in box to box midfielder and gives him so much dynamism in the middle of the park I think Joe Linton is great Bruno Gamarish is unbelievable that partnership between Longstaff and Gamarish has been really uh, great to watch and they complement each other so well um, and then you know we talked Isaac. To, yeah to Pazbo and Isak and that was a big question he made a big money signing for your striker they were struggling for goals because Callum Wilson is unhealthy so much and doesn't play as much because of his injury issues. When he does play, he's, he's great. But, um, and the question was, would he come good? And it looks like he is coming good. And he is, he's impressed me so much with his movement. Um, he makes these great little feints, great little runs. The way he drifts off defenders at the back post for a lot of these headers that he's scoring is so intelligent. The little pushes, push he gives and, um, how great he is at those kind of leaning back headers, like right where the ball's coming in and you can't really attack it. You just time yeah. it well. And he just looks like a all-around great link-up player and hitting some great finishes back post as well. So that's been he, – he has been that guy for them. Um, but now, like you said, they have all of these components working. The other guy that impressed me so much is Joe Willock, who came over from Arsenal. I've heard people talking about him enough that he has been – I mean, he's not Saka, but he's like a poor man Saka kind of in terms of uh, yeah. can be people very dynamic, uh, great creator, uh, sets everyone else up. Um and Eddie Howe just everybody kind of marching in the right direction. They look, besides Arsenal, the most informed team, Arsenal and City. And so, yeah, I don't think any, I don't really see anything stopping from the top four. There's just not the pressure like there is going for that title. Um, and when they're in this kind of form, St. James is, you know, is one of the best places in the world to be playing and can lift them to that next level. Um, but yeah, they, they just look, they look like they're having a ton of fun and like really enjoying it. Um, and it's not pressure. They don't look like they're playing with any pressure all around in this spot. Um, so I think they're going to go do it. I think Man United looks continually burdened by this pressure, right? They're not free and loose and enjoying it. Casemiro coming back is going to be massive for them. It's just interesting to see how much when he's there and not there, what it means and how much it matters to the whole tempo they have. They still seem to get in a rhythm when he's not there and someone to really set the pace of play. Um, and McTominay's great box to box, but they just he just doesn't have that ability, and they just seem to not get control of the game when he's not in there. So they need to figure that out um, more broadly. But really tough run in the Prem for United. Those first two games obviously just beat Brentford yesterday, but two losses and a draw uh, before that. Um, and so I think you're going to kind of continue to see that bumpiness a little bit. And I think it's Newcastle giveaway. The other question is with Brighton. I mean, Brighton is on 46 points with a game in hand on United in fourth and can you know can be right there putting pressure on four points back i don't know if they, they make it i think they might overcome spurs and finish fifth. but yeah, yeah. i think newcastle is going to hold on to that third spot yeah i mean united coming up against everton with the sean deitch ball um look what they did to the spurs you know even with them uh, well a guy down for a little bit um and i think like always like everton's 
always good for taking a point um, and, and, and being happy with it. So uh, yeah, with Newcastle as well, like some of them, they've been very patient with their buys. Like they've spent some money, you know, but um, it hasn't been astronomical. The Anthony Gordon one, I didn't quite get, I guess if he comes good for that price point, they could sell him on down the road. Yeah, he's I think they playing. should sell St. Maximum. Yeah, I would sell Max. Like he's dangerous in the big games, but like the consistency of it, I would take whatever you can get for him, 50, 60 million and and put it back into the put it back into the um the team. Um but they look like they're going to be here for a while. Um I think in terms of like overall, yeah, Villa Villa are on fire. You want to talk about that as yeah, well Villa, a little bit? Villa's been burning both been on fire. With that St. Max really quick. I like St. Max a lot. It just doesn't seem like he's a great top if you're a top four team, he's a great squad player. And it seems like you yes. bought Anthony Gordon to do something similar. So maybe that's why you, they do move him on. But I always think he's such a live wire and always creates and has quality too. It's not just he beats someone and hits a poor cross. But with Anthony Gordon, him, Willick, you start seeing Almiron, right? You see, you have a lot of competition for these places now. Um, yeah. So you look at those guys. At Spurs, you would think Kulisevsky, Son, Kane, you would want to keep over them. But all of their form better than, you know, than Kulisevsky and Son. So yep. it's like interesting to see what the, maybe the the depth in those positions brings out of those guys. And I think Newcastle's done a really good job building a squad of and making those players better. And the competition for places has risen everyone's or everyone's level. Brian and yeah. Villa, same thing, continue to be that. on fire. What were you going to say? I say just fosters like within the club too, like, they're, they have the right balance of like supporting each other, but still pushing each other. You know, yeah. when I think of like some of the top teams, it's like every day in training, you're, you're fighting for your position. I think that's what makes Man City so great. That's what made Real Madrid great for so many years. You got to show up and perform um, and having that depth while not totally blowing the budget, I think is, is super important. hundred percent. Go on about uh, Smart Bill and Brighton. Bill and Brighton been, like I said, just continuing to play with us. Like Ollie Watkins has been back on fire since Emery's came in. Unbelievable. Like so efficient, some great finishes, confident finishes in tough spots. Um, and they seem to be, you just seem to have them sorted out playing in a way where they have everyone's strengths going from everyone in that spot, Diaz, Buendia, uh, Watkins, Ramsey. Just under Gerard, it just wasn't, it, it looked like everyone didn't know their role almost. And here, everyone is doing the one thing they do really, really well. And it's been just totally revived. And they have so much talent. I think they have bought well. It was just putting a system around those guys that accentuate all of that talent. But Watkins' revelation, I said Jacob Ramsey, what he does every game, is so underappreciated. I hope Spurs go get him in the summer. But he has been, he's been like truly, really special. And Brighton, same thing. This kid, Ferguson, who scored the back heel goal, and you saw that, and he's just scoring. Yeah. Uh, 18 years old and Republic of Ireland went forward and scoring uh, tons of goals. It looks like an old school, big bruising center forward. He's been brilliant. Another, like, again, another smart buy coming out of the academy. Um, Matoma looks incredibly efficient still. And like Brighton is not skipping a beat. Like, I think Brighton's going to finish above Spurs in fifth and continue this really, really consistent run. And they just play such an attacking um, style where it's like, Left back gets the ball, center midfielder, quick ball over the top of the outside to like a Matoma outside midfielder, create, cut it inside, goal. And they're so efficient at it. Um, and they run off the ball so well. Um, but there's like every game just create beautiful goals, fun to watch. Both teams are such a good advert for the Premier League. It shows how hard it is for everybody. It's just like these are the yeah. teams that are great. It's so hard. I was thinking, I was watching the um, Villa-Leicester game, and we touched a little bit how Leicester were our sleeper pick to, to go down. And I think since the last time we potted, they fired their manager. and Yeah, Rodgers is out. Drop points. Yeah. And and so – and then they had the – though the, I guess the last game was uh, Crystal Palace scored that late winner against them after they fired Vieira. So, but I just was watching Aston Villa, and I was thinking two things. I, I, one is like how did it go – not so wrong for Sir Unai Emery at Arsenal, but how did it not really take? And also kind of thinking, like, I would love him at Spurs. I don't think he would make the jump just because Villa's got a lot of young talent, and I think they're willing to spend a little bit of money once they can get Coutinho, um, um, Coutinho off the books as well. Um, but if we could take him, I mean, just the way that he plays, and I think he's got a little bit of a vendetta now against Arsenal, so to come over to their rivals would be great. But I, watching them play, I was so impressed um, and just so dangerous all over the – all over the field, very organized, um, and then a guy up top who's who's absolutely buzzing. Um, 
So I think Unai Emery has done an unbelievable job. It was funny because yeah. they fired Gerard to stay out of relegation battle, and now they're like climbing the climbing the table. Seventh. Um, yeah, I'm, I've been super impressed. Yeah, yep. Um, and Brighton, it's it's more of the same. Just swarm teams um, can keep the ball in tight situations and very patient to let things develop, especially in the wide areas. And they just create like one v ones and two v ones like all over the field. It's especially in the final third, like teams can't handle it. They just always feel like they have an extra man. Um, they've been great to watch, and they play Tottenham right. Yeah, you play them next. Brighton, yeah, I know. And then it's like it's it's a six pointer, right? <laughs> they have two games in hand on us and are only four points back, right? They win both those games in hand. They go two points oh, above geez. us. So this I think could really cement them and not cement them, but like go a bit long way to get them to this. So massive game for us and they look like I don't see how we beat them. To be honest, which is crazy to say, but like I think because um, you just passed, you think that's three no. points. I don't know how we do it. It's an interesting shout. I haven't heard anyone talk about Emery to Spurs, but it could make a lot of sense in terms of like so the way they play, galvanizing that group together, and they play such a, a fluid style. And interesting why it doesn't didn't take it Arsenal. I can see why it doesn't take it PSG because you know the egos and everything yeah. there. Arsenal also kind of speaks to maybe the difficulty of following the guy, right? Whoever followed Austin Wenger, always following Ferguson is always yeah, really, really hard. Um, and they were in that transition period too, right? Like that was a weird squad they had, right? With like murder soccer. Yeah. Class and actually, um, like, yeah, Ozil and um, Sanchez, like very weird. Um, they didn't know really who they were, right? They like were still going for these big money superstars yeah. and trying to piece it together mm-hmm. and, and not like what they've done now, which is like they were going to build this kind of core from the ground up. So it kind of speaks to that. Was our yeah. still on the team? Ashavin might have been still been there. Yeah, it's like weird. Yeah, they were like, it was a weird. Well, it's a captain. great point because they were coming off of like, yeah, they were coming off of like all making Europe constantly with Arsene Wenger. And then all of a sudden they just kind of like, they were like Man United, you know, where they were just coming out of that spot of like mid table, kind of like like higher end of the mid table, but just like yeah. no real pressure to perform, no real pressure to win. The fans were super like discontented with everything. So yeah, well, was that thing yeah. was like, but I think he would be a great hire when they left. The Emirates, right? They didn't invest in the club and the team because they were investing in the stadium. Then they had this weird hodgepodge yep. of players where they tried to buy big money guys and like, and they just were a Europa League team for a while and they couldn't find that like yeah. Benga identity again. Um, so it was always going to be really hard to come to it. But it could be really interesting. I don't think he'll leave Villa. And again, like, I don't know how many of these guys like want this first job. If you have, you feel like you have a good thing at Villa, you have your chance for plans set for next season. You like know what you're doing there, right? And like building that project, mm-hmm. that was kind of Deserby's thing with Spurs. He's like, I have a great project here. I know what I'm doing. Like, I don't know if I want to go to a, you know, a situation in flux. It's going to be, yeah, it's it's going to be interesting. But that could, that could be an interesting shot. I wouldn't before. I would have said absolutely not. But now, I don't know what I'm yeah. And I don't think ex Arsenal manager. Like, I don't think most people even like worry about that with him. He doesn't seem like true Arsenal. No, you know. No. Yep. Yeah. And the other ones were like have another crack at it. Yeah. I think the biggest takeaway for him was be like, you know, obviously Spurs, they have the best training ground in the in the country. They have the best stadium in the country. And I think like that the idea of like working with a cane is is enticing. A son, if he can get back if to he's there, well, he might not be there. Skeptical of. Yeah. And also just getting back into Europe. You know, I think this is a big thing for some of these guys that, you know, from an ego standpoint, you're sitting back and you're watching Ancelotti and you're watching Claude, you're watching all these big time managers. Um, I think that part of that is like, okay, can I do that with the club I'm at now? Um, but they're pretty, those guys have seen it at the biggest stages. They're pretty keen. And if things aren't to where they think they can get into Europe, I think they look to, I mean, Tottenham is still such an, you know, enticing job, but we'll see. Yeah. Yeah, no, I think I bet, I mean deserve I think deserve makes all sense in the world. I was shocked to hear and who knows, they're just news reports, right? They're bullshit yeah. a lot of time. But I was shocked to hear they would be like, Oh, I don't know if I wanna go do that. I'm like, what? From Brighton? That's nuts. Yep. Um, <laughs> what do you think about so yeah, United with the tough tough run, same thing. I think without Casemiro, they're a different team. It's like pretty black and white. And yeah. Ten Hog I think still has a ways yeah. to go to get this mm-hmm. squad to where it needs to be tough like I don't think Harry Maguire's a bad influence or Victor Lindelof's a bad influence, but I think he needs to start getting a squad of the right core 14 guys, right? The right surrounding squad, not having superstars on the bench, continuing to infuse his culture into the club. And I still think it's going to be rocky until then. Um, but mm-hmm. yeah, I, I don't see a team that's 
that loaded on an individual talent basis should be so influenced by Casemiro yeah. or not, but that's certainly what it what it seems like, right? And it looks like they might have missed huge on yeah. Sancho. Um, but, yeah, yeah, I don't know. They look, like, yeah, when they're Anthony. off, they look off. Yeah, I think they missed on Anthony a little bit as well. Um, oh, yeah. You know, it's just, it's a lot of money. I mean, they've missed on a lot of guys. You talk about Maguire and a couple other positions as well. But, yeah, I think for me the biggest thing that Casemiro brings is, like, he's got a little bit of that bite. He's got a little bit of, like, nastiness in him you know you have to have that to win you know three consecutive champions leagues and and you know he's a stalwart on the brazilian national team i, I fernandez is a great player but he's not he's not going to do a lot of the heavy lifting i think he's been so disappointing as the captain in these tough games where he just starts to um, complain to the ref or he starts to point the finger and he uses all this like negative energy in like a bad way where someone like casemiro uses it to like kick someone or get right. stuck in on a tackle or organize the troops a little bit i think he's a huge huge miss uh, ten hag's gotten a gotten a tune out of rashford though rashford keeps scoring he he looks like he's hopefully here to stay for a little bit he reminds me a little bit of son in terms of like he's a very much um, like a confidence player. But, I mean, if you can continue this run for another, you know, if to start of next season, Casemiro is in there. You know, guys like Veron can stay healthy. They maybe add a couple of buys. Maybe he can get something out of Anthony. Now you're starting to look at a team that could be super dangerous. Because they, they've shown, like, enough to, for, for me, enough glimpses of, like, okay, they're definitely going to be in the top four battle. They don't have enough, I, I think, to, to, to crack the top two. But I think they're in the top four for sure. Yeah, and I think – I mean, yeah, next year will be interesting to see what they bring in and who they ship out. I think Rashford's unbelievable. I think um, he needs confidence, but I think he can do a lot more than Son. I think he can do more like a play. I think he's better crossing the ball. I think he's better beating people up the dribble. Mm. I think he is – maybe he doesn't score – like Son scores in a, a disproportionate amount of worldies, but uh, Rashford's probably more clinical finisher. Definitely, I think, more clinical finisher. So I think they have something to really build around with him. Um Tied for a leading goal scorer, I think that consistency of it is is the one thing that people wanted to see out of Rashford. Obviously, he's got yeah. all the tools, but Son just had. I mean, he scored worldies, but he also scored you know bags of goals, and um, I think that that consistency of doing it week in and week out, especially when guys start to you know shift over and and they push they push more guys onto you. Can you do it? You know, when the when the lights are brightest. So. Yeah, and I think he he has that now. Um, but yeah, they've been in a like just looking at the table, like very tough, tough run. Win, be a good Brentford team, but you'd expect them to beat Brentford and kind of get back on track. So interesting where they take them here, but I see it like two wins, you know, drawn a loss, two wins, something like that. And I think just because of uh, Spurs not being able to do it, and Brighton probably just a couple too too many points behind to fully get catch up, that they get over the line. Um, and then next year, I think they become very very dangerous. Spurs and spend too much time on it. Same thing. Like we look the exact same. Started the game okay, yeah. um, and then the rest of it sat in a low block, and we just can't. I, I don't think we intentionally sit in a low block. I just don't think we know how to play together for some reason. I think the tactical setup does not let this team play together the right way. Said a million times, predetermined patterns of play and all that. But I've never seen a team be so so much space between everyone. Like Kramer gets the ball and he has to get it. Look up. No one's around him. Right. Besides like maybe skip, but then he'll just pass it right back to him. And so they get an outside back <laughs> who then is supposed to go and find son for Kulisewski. They're man marked. They put their foot on the ball and it goes back around. There's just no, um, it just, nobody looks like they know how to play together in a dynamic way. And I think it continues to kill us. And then yeah, going down the Everton going down to 10 men and then us, completely going in a low block. It's like we didn't know how to play with 11 versus 10 and just no. didn't know what to do. I think it's very damning on Stellini and Mason, that response. And yeah, yeah. And at the end of the day, their center back, Michael Keane, hit an unbelievable goal that he can't do if he tried a thousand more times. But like we didn't close him down and they deserve the point. And so I think it's more of the same. I think that's going to be us at the end of the year. It's just going to be a grind. And I think we finished sixth because we, you know, grind out some results, lose some results, and, you know, nothing inspiring to the end of the season. And it's just like a very toxic feeling right now. Yeah. I think we deserve six, which is a bummer to say. Yeah. If you look at the people around us right now, how they're playing, I don't think we're we're in that category. And to touch on what you were saying tactically, it feels like every time 
we do somehow like able to break a line or break a little bit of pressure, there's never like that next pass. It's always someone picking the ball up and trying to like dribble. And there's yeah. just nobody open. It's like an extra 15, 20 yards on the dribble. And it just gives teams like the opportunity to get back underneath it or take a foul and slow things down. Or like even if we do break a line and by the time we get the ball wide or get the ball higher up the field, it feels like we're just – we lost like – um, a lot of time and space. So it's just disappointing to watch too many touches on the ball, too disconnected. Um, and we look st- like still pretty fragile at the back. Um, yeah, I think okay. it's, I think six no. places is, is yeah, I agree. all over us. I think six place would be a fair, unfortunately fair result. Uh, and not only would be fun, yeah. like 12th would be a fair result for the football we've played, but six for like the grinding out results. But yeah, yeah. it's like if Harry King will get a ball, back to goal, hit a huge sweeping long ball to an outside back, and then the outside back has to kind of figure it out, right? Or we switch places from midfield, and same thing. Like, usually it's the outside back getting a space, and then he has to figure it out. Like you said, there's never that next pass. There's never a combination, a one-two. There's no one running in behind. There's no, like, uh, Sun running to the byline, Kane getting the ball, laying it off underneath to, like, a Hoiberg, and then Kulisevsky running through it. Like, there's nothing there's none of that, right? The, I don't think this whole year I've seen Spurs play uh, a passing pattern in a triangle, guys within 15, 20 yards of each other. I don't think I've ever seen that this year, <laughs> right? And so it's like, yep. like you said, it's so nobody knows what to do once they get a ball yep. with either the feet or in the attacking third. It's like their foot on the look up, they're like, what do I do? And then everyone's stagnant. And that's why I think it's so tough, yeah. tough to watch um, and so easy to defend. Yep. Yep. It's the same scouting report when I play against you in FIFA. All those things you just said. It's just like word for word. It's just a lot of dribbling, a lot of like a, a lot, lot of hopelessness time on the ball. A lot of hopelessness, a lot of, confusion. A lot of force balls. No no passing out of the back. New policy. No passing in the defensive half. Rule number one, safety first. You still I have I don't <laughs> I, I would. I, I don't have a Xbox or anything, but I would. I would do it just to because you could play people right online. Like you could you play so against your friends. You do you still like, have that or no? You sound like a grandpa. Um, he doesn't know how oh, technology yeah. works. Can you can you it? play people on the internet? <laughs> yes, you, yes, you can. I still have an Xbox, but I use it as like a Apple TV. I haven't played FIFA. Last time I played FIFA was when COVID first hit before I had a kid and, oh, yeah. and all of that. Um, but there's like, you couldn't go outside. And I, played, so I, I, played, very fun. I played, I played FIFA at the Capital One arena. I went to the hockey game uh, right before the world world cup and they had it set up. It was the first time I played in years. And it was so much fun. Very embarrassing. Probably. Uh, I was up to nothing at the half. <laughs> Against some like six year old hockey kid. Yeah. <laughs> six year old girl. In like, huge jersey. You like yeah. that? Yeah, talking about trash. I miss it. Get your son out of here. I miss playing. uh, Get your son out of here. Um, Yeah, it's such a big part of my life for so long. It's so much fun. It's just sad you don't don't have time to do this stuff anymore. When I was playing, I used to tell her all the time. I come upstairs after playing. Like it's so much fun. She'd be like, "You're a dork." Um, But I miss it. (laughs) Um, What do you think about? So, what do you think about this weekend and? Then relegation. We talked about that top of the table. What do you think about relegation battle? Um, I think we were pretty close, man. Um, I still think Southampton and Bournemouth are in a lot of trouble. Um, that sleeper pick, Leicester, they're they're in the heart of it now. They look, they look like they're they're scrambling. I think Everton is is, is going to be fine. West Ham worries me, but they have enough talent, I think, to to get through it. David Moyes is, you know, I mean, they took a, a beat down against Newcastle, but against teams of you know in the bottom half of the table, I think they know how to you know, steal points here and there. Leeds looks like they made the right decision by arresting their players for the Nottingham Forest game. Um, when they played Arsenal, rested their guys um, and got three points. So, um, yeah, yeah, I think it's going to, I think it's going to be, I said last time, I believe Nottingham, Bournemouth, Southampton as Leicester as my dark horse. I think I'm going to switch that up a little bit now. I'm going to say how it is now is how it will end. Um, I think Leicester might go down. Yeah, I was going to say, I think now Leicester's going to go down. I mean, they are four losses, one draw in the last five. The last two are losses. Yikes. I think manager change. We said a bunch of guys who don't want to be there maybe see relegation as a way to get out of the club. Not that they like want to get relegated necessarily, but it's not the exact motivation you want to, to stay up. And I think momentum at this part of the season is so important. And they mm-hmm. don't have it at all. You saw the fight from Forrest, even the loss to Leeds. 
um, or the draw against Wolves, you see a lot of fight there. You just don't see that from Leicester. They just look like they're about to drop points all the time. So I think it's going to be boring. Plus, last minute losses against Crystal Palace. Yeah, last minute loss against Palace. A last minute, well, like 80, whatever, seventh minute loss against um, Villa. Just like two two jarring back-to-back losses. And all of a sudden you, you wake up and you're second second from the bottom and it's for a club that just won the premier league not too long ago it's got to be and some of those guys some of that i mean i'm sure it's a lot of new guys but that culture is still there a little bit still the same like great family club and still jimmy vardy there but it's just yeah it's about you need to move on the right guys at the right time or it gets it gets rotten i think they just got caught with two high wage bills and a club that was great at buying maris conte all these guys made some wrong buys pop Staka, who's supposed to replace you know, all these goals up front and guys they bought just hasn't hasn't panned out. They didn't move on from fast enough, stuck with high wage bills. And it shows that when you don't constantly refresh the squad, like Rogers was saying, then it can be a disaster, you know, and that's that's what happens. So it just shows how quick it can go, man. I mean, even if you look at yeah. this table, right? Chelsea's not gonna go down, but they're eleventh with thirty nine points, twelve points off off the relegation zone. That's Chelsea who just bought five hundred million, right? West Ham is two points off the relegation zone, right? With with a game in hand. So it can go there's still it can go just so so quick and that's why we love this league. It's the best best league in the world. 